It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be, APR, zero deposit, and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Now, before we get on into business or down to business today, at the end of the show yesterday, we were talking to Michael Fox about the big barn dance at Kilmoon, and Michael kindly left us two pair of tickets to give away for that big barn dance this Saturday. It's happening in Cushionstown, and what a lineup they have there. Would you like to go along? Two winners on Late Lunch today, a pair of tickets each. Have a listen to this. Sometimes late at night I lie awake and watch her sleeping That's enough, that's enough, that's enough, Louise, they've enough of it. They're the opening lines of a famous Garth Brooks song. What is the name of that song to go along to the big barn dance at Kilmoon? Get going with your answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Your answer, what's the name of that Garth Brooks song? It's a classic. And your details. And we'll pick a couple of winners before the end of the show. And reminding you, we do have our Happy Golf giveaway as well today on Late Lunch. More about that coming up just after 2 o'clock. Change of Heart by Minister for Culture, Heritage and the Gaeltacht, Josepha Madigan. And it's been warmly welcomed by nature lovers and wildlife people. There's to be no hedgerow cutting until after August 31st this year. It wasn't to have been the 1st of August. We've talked about it since this was mooted on late lunch regularly. And I'm delighted to welcome back on the line with me today, Una Duggan. She's Assistant Head of Policy and Advocacy at Birdwatch Ireland. Afternoon, Una. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. Just just to be clear about this again, it was proposed under the new Heritage Bill to a, it would be ban the cutting of hedgerows from the 1st of March until, what, the end of July? Well, the Heritage Bill um, proposal originally um, was um, to allow hedge cutting on any hedgerow in the whole country in the month of August. Okay. And... During the uh, Heritage Bill debates in the Shannon, that um, longer, that, that very broad um, exemption from hedge, for, for hedge cutting was slashed to say, no, um, we're not going to allow hedge cutting in, in, every, in every part of the country in August because that would be very bad for birds and pollinators. Um, so somebody had the idea of let's put the word roadside in there in the in the in the legislation so the final bill that was passed was to state that 
hedge cutting would be allowed in August and that the minister could make regulations in order to allow that to happen. Now, just to be clear, what the minister did yesterday was she has decided not to make regulations in relation to hedge cutting in August. She has, she could have made regulations which, um, you know, would, would have made hedge cutting uh, very relaxed, um, potentially impacting breeding birds, removing um, the provisions where landowners need to only cut where there's a road safety issue, for instance, and that would have been indiscriminate hedge cutting. Mm. But she she could have also strengthened the regulations, uh, strengthened conditions potentially. But she chose no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to change the law that currently exists. So just to be really clear, hedge cutting is allowed for uh, on roadside hedgerows anywhere in the country notwithstanding the Minister's decision yesterday. So right now, if you have a road safety concern, mm. you can cut roadside hedge, uh, roadside hedge rows mm. if, um, if it's deemed by the local authority that it is, a, it is actually a road safety issue. It has to be so deemed by the authority, Una. This is the important thing. You can't just go out and do it if you feel yourself. Well, um, um, if yeah, I think uh, landowners are obliged under the Roads Act to make sure that there is no um, that there is no um, that if there is a hazard that they take care of the hazard. Yeah. But l- local authorities normally um, send out a notice to say we want you to cut your hedgerows um, when that when there is a hazard. So right now, um, that's what the minister did yesterday. She just. Just the law is the same as it always was up until last year. Okay. There was, there's no changes to the laws. So yes. This is like this is it's um it's a very tricky one, but there's been some statements put out that this is going to um, cause um you know potentially like roads road issues for people and road safety and causing deaths and that is just absolutely not true mm. i mean basically there is an issue we're aware of the fact that there is um that in some parts of the country um people are should cut their hedgerows and don't and um this um this is not the, and that is not going to be changed by any legislation that means that there needs to be incentives to and education and awareness raising of those people on, on what is appropriate and I think there's an important role for local authorities in that regard to raise awareness as in and to educate people and in, and in turn that where there is a bona fide road safety concern that that is um, dealt with. Um, often we see though at Birdwich Ireland um, where hedge cutting is done on, under the guise of road safety where there's no apparent road safety issue and this really needs to be cleared up because hedge cutting during the period when birds are breeding, which is March 1st to August 31st, mainly, um, is the number one complaint we get mm. every year. Yeah, so look, I hear what you're saying and we understand about the safety and uh, we don't want to put any human lives in danger and, and, and that's for sure. But look, you have to welcome this when you look at it, oh, that, that there's no change because it means that hedgerows, not along roads and there's lots of hedgerows through the countryside everywhere that are trimmed as well and are cut back. The law now has not changed. It's staying as, as it is. What do you put this down to? You, you had a petition. How many people signed that petition that you got going uh, to oppose this change? 35,000 people. 
which was massive. And we think it's probably the the biggest petition we've ever that was ever in the country, and definitely the the biggest response um, in terms of a concern relating to nature or biodiversity. So basically, if um, if the if the minister had gone ahead. Um, it, it was potentially very threatening to late nesting bird species such as yellowhammer. But we did some research and there's over 20 other species that were nesting late into August. We've done this survey now, mm. 2017 and 2018, in certain parts of the country covering about 13 counties. And um, there's a lot of birds nesting late into the season. But also the, the, the beekeepers will tell you that um, hedgerows are really important at that time of the year as well yes. for, for bees. Yes. So um, it's, you know, people want to see a strong and thriving nature, not hedgerows that are cut to the bone and uh, where they're rendered useless to, to, to nature mm. and to birds and to other wildlife. So we're very much welcome the minister's decision. Um, next year, the Heritage Bill will hopefully sunset, as it's called. It might just uh, disappear. Um, the doll does have an opportunity to look at this. And we will really be hoping that, um, the, uh, that the, the members of the Oireachtas will realise that they can't, you know, that people want to see more nature. And that was what was reflected in the elections in May this year, where the sentiment was that our planet's in trouble. We need to protect nature. We've seen declines of bird species. The yellowhammer is red-listed. One-third of our wild bees, uh, bee species in Ireland, are threatened with extinction. 91% of our internationally important habitats here, including bogs and other habitats, are in unfavourable status. So, like, the news isn't good, and we need to do everything we can. And that's, of course keeping in mind we're all road users like you know Mm. um hedge cutting roadside hedge cutting is essential for road safety so um we're very much welcome the minister's decision though to be uh on this occasion to say look actually this isn't necessary if the minister thought it was necessary it would it would have been done it's not necessary the law already has um, provision, provisions for road safety and she's doing, making an extra step to stop indiscriminate hedgerow, hedge cutting. Next thing we want to see now is a national hedgerow conservation strategy and perhaps a bespoke law protecting hedgerows because they are our arteries of our countryside um, and really important for wildlife. Terrific. Look, I just want to have a quick word with you because it's something we've championed here in the show and I'm delighted that common sense has prevailed. I welcome and congratulate. I've been critical of many ministers in my time and things they do, but this is a good move by Josepha Madigan. And uh, please, God, beyond this, as you said, a strategy to preserve and conserve and encourage and build our wildlife back up on the habitats. We'll see that happening in the years ahead. Thank Absolutely, you for- Jerry. Can I just make one tiny yes. plea? If people are really happy about this and what the minister has done and they want protection for nature, drop her an email. Mm. Tell her that you are happy about this and let her know that you care. Because that's the most important thing we can do is tell our politicians that we care about nature um, and we want to see more protection. Thank you. Here, here. Thank you for joining me, Una. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Una Duggan there, who's Assistant Head of Policy and Advocacy uh, with Birdwatch Ireland. And I do welcome that personally as well, from the bees' point of view and the birds. The birds and the bees. We better talk about that as well on Late Lunch sometime soon. It just puts it in my mind. If you have anything to say on this, if you have a comment, always love to hear from me on Late Lunch. The number, the big number, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp 
or text us. Call in on 1857 Talk to us across social media as well. Up next on the show, I'm joined by Dr. Tony Humphreys. He has a brilliant new book out and he's coming to the North East shortly. You'll want to hear about this when you hear the facts uh, behind this. The number of relationships breaking up in Ireland. Marriages, one in four now. Tony's with us next. Dr. Tony Humphreys is a clinical psychologist, author, national and international speaker, and he's penned an intriguing new book with Dr. Helen Ruddle. It's called Breakthrough, The Power of the Interrupted Relationship. And I'm glad to say Tony is on the line. Afternoon, Tony. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for taking our call today. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, Look, these stats, first of all, I just want to read these to listeners. In in America, 60% of marriages break down and 80% of subsequent marriages end unhappily. Britain, it's 40%. Ireland, 25%. That's one in four and increasing. And fast increasing, yeah. yeah. And... This book is really, that's, you know, those figures are startling. But this book really, and I just want to read a line, I'll quote you a line. In our experience, all the unhappiness in human relationships can be traced back to an unconscious expectation of not being lovable just for who we are. Do we all have this, Tony? Everybody suffers to some extent around that conditionality. It's very strong in relationships. If you're a good boy, if you're a good girl, if you get good marks, if you get on the winning team, if you do what you're told, right, it means behaviour becomes more important than the person of the child. Of course, I have needs of children, but I don't want to confuse the child's presence with the child's behaviour, and that very often happens. It happened to us all in classrooms as well, didn't it? Yes, I remember yeah. it. I can, I can <laughs> think of instances as you say it to me there, and I shudder when I think of it. Well, there you go. And it's it's very devastating when our presence or our person is confused with behaviour. But then when parents do that, they don't do it consciously. They do it because that's what happened when they were children. And human suffering is generational, not genetic. So this is part of all of our upbringings and has been handed down and is not done on purpose. It's learned from when we were children and we take it on to our children and then they take it to their grandchildren as well. You know, you know, like with children, you, you do have to have, is this true, rules and regulations and routine and, you know, to keep a bit of order. Yeah, of course. And, and the, But children respond very much to encouragement to do what I ask them to do or to meet my need, right, um, or if they're struggling with it, I need to sit with them and say, how is it that you, that you don't want to do your homework or how is it that you don't want to go to school? But if I kind of get cross with them and say, you just do what I tell you now, just get to school, get down to your homework, then, of course, I'm breaking the relationship with the child over a bit of behaviour, and that can be devastating. And this stays with us and we carry this within ourselves when we then um, move into a relationship with somebody else, you say. Yeah, and our hopes then that we'll find in the relationship with somebody else that we didn't find in a relationship with parents or teachers when we were younger. It's like, you know, the so many, uh, all the love songs need to be rewritten, right? You're my everything, right? You make my world, my dreams come true, right? I can't live without you. You were made for me. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a real codependent relationship now. I was made for me. I make my world go around, right? I make my dreams come true. And what I want to bring to you in my relationship is my fullness, 
not my emptiness. If I bring my emptiness, then it's a codependent relationship. And that's why so many relationships go into conflict, because of the codependence. I can't live without you, or you're never there for me, or your work is more important than me. All the kind of common complaints that occur. And so the purpose of of the book is to try and bring about the safety for consciousness that the most important relationship that we need to have in this world is the one with ourselves. It's like the the cure for loneliness is solitude. (laughs) What I want to bring to you in relationship is my solitude. There's a lovely line from the German poet Rilke. Marriage consists in this, where each appoints the other the guardian of their solitude. Beautiful quote. I'm we pondering that. I'm pondering that as I as you say it. Okay, and how does it feel? Mm. It's, mm. Yes, it's <laughs> it, it makes sense, real sense. It does. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 there's another lovely line. Separateness is the basis for togetherness. It's the real paradox. The more separate we are, the closer we are together. The more enmeshed we are, can't live without you kind of thing, then the more conflict that arises. And thank God for the conflict, because the conflict draws attention, not to what's happening between people, but what's what's happening within each of the partners in the relationship. It's like when a lot of couples come to me for help, Jerry, they, they come with the belief that it's the relationship is the problem, right? What's going on between them? And then gradually they begin to see, no, it's what's going on within each of us that we need to examine, that each one of us needs to come into a relationship with ourselves. And then we can deepen our relationship with each other. But if I try to start out what's happening between them, it doesn't work. It just goes around in circles. Mm. So we must be content within ourselves number one, and at peace with ourselves and love ourselves Absolutely. before we can be that with another. Be that with a partner, a yes. lover, a friend, or be that with a child. Yeah. I, can, I mean, there's a lovely belief that I have, right? The quality of a relationship with yourself, right, can never be greater than the quality of a relationship with another. In other words, the quality of a relationship with a child, a partner, a student, a friend or a colleague can never be greater than the quality of your relationship with yourself. Bishop Christ said that thousands of years ago. You love God with all your heart and you love your neighbour as yourself. Best mm. kept secret in the Catholic Church. <laughs> so that's what it was really about. <laughs> but but Tony, like it, 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 what you say makes such sense, and this book uh, it, it takes this, uh, you know, through very well. Yourself and Doctor Helen Ruddle together have really produced something here that is so interesting, and something really that people should take on board and and put into action. But here's the thing, you know, you you said it there about the songs and about the conflict, etc. So many people demand so much of the other. And, and those all those type of relationships that you mentioned there, that's yeah. impossible to deliver. Well, of course it is, because I, I, I can't feel your emptiness, right? So the more you demand and demand, then the more dependent you become on me, right? So it's important, right, that I meet my own needs, right? And I bring my fullness to you. Mary Oliver, another wonderful poet, right? She was saying, you know, when we get into a relationship with ourselves, when we find our own oneness, remember the word aloneness means all oneness, right? Mm. 
And when I've had my all oneness, my solitude with myself, sure, will I need a relationship with anybody else at all after that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. good question. But I, I, I mean, I eventually found that for myself, right? Long journey, I can assure you. And same with my partner, right? Helen yeah. is my partner. Um, but I love the company of another because we're all unique. We're all individuals, right? There's nothing more amazing than sitting with another unique individual, right? And exploring their lives and hearing about their lives, right? But I'm not desperate for it. That's the difference. I'm not dependent on it. So the old saying, Tony, where you hear people saying, that person, or I'm very happy with my own company. Yeah. That's very good. That's positive. It's very, well, it's very, it's very mature. It's very conscious, right? There's no greater company than my own company. Mm. But I do enjoy the company. If not, I travel a lot, maybe for an hour when I meet somebody or on a train or on a plane or, you know, when I'm giving a lecture someplace, all with good friends, wonderful experiences. But I'm not dependent on them. I'm not looking for something from them. I'm bringing something to them, which is my interest, my curiosity, my love, my regard for them. But I'm not looking. I have no expectation, in other words. Mm. Unconditional is a word you use in this book as well. You know, unconditional love. In other words, you love somebody for who they are, what they are, and as they are. You're not setting out to change one or the other. No, because if I give you any sense, it's like when people come to me for help, I often say to them, I wouldn't change a hair in your head, right? Because where you are now is where you need to be. And I see you for the amazing person you are, the unique person you are. And how you survived all the conditionalities that you experienced growing up. It's, it's, the other thing that's interesting, Jerry, that when people come to me uh, and they're in conflict, right, uh, couples, I often say to them, you know, when you got engaged now to each other, did you check, did you have an engagement on your own finger first? Had you engaged with yourself first? Because if you were not engaged with yourself first, you were not ready to engage with another. And then when you get married, well, had you married yourself first? Because don't marry somebody else if you haven't married yourself first. It's and I'm, I'm going to develop courses called pre-relationship commitment courses, right? Because I want to check, please don't commit to another unless your commitment to yourself is there first. Mm. So that's the where we need to have uh, the work done before we move on to the next stage. Now you're coming, you're coming to the northeast, aren't you, Tony? I am, and bookshop there tomorrow night. Um, in Dundalk, is it? In, in Dundalk, in Dundalk, yeah. yeah. We're there at seven thirty. Helen, myself, and we're going to introduce the book and talk about our experiences. And that bookshop is now. I forget. Check with Louise. Yes, right? yes, we will. We'll get the name of the bookshop yeah. and we'll find it. There are. I can no, Tony. I will get. I, I beg your pardon because it, it, I should know as well. But I will tell you that there are not many bookshops in the in the northeast. Never mind Dundalk itself. So we will tell you. We will let them know where you are tomorrow night. You're in Dundalk at half past seven in the bookshop in Dundalk. And the book is called Breakthrough, The Power of the Interrupted Relationship. And it's by Tony Humphreys and Helen Ruddle. And as I speak, Louise is busting a gut in there to get the name of this bookshop so as we can tell everybody where, where it is in Dundalk tomorrow evening. Tony, listen, I can't, I, we have it, I think. Have we got it, Louise? Do you have the bookshop? 
Row River Books. Row yeah, River Books one. is that's where it is in Dundalk. There you are, Tony. So you'll know you're going tomorrow night now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tony, thank you for joining me on the show. Wish you well with the book. Nice talking to you, Take care of yourself. Yeah. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Row River Books. Row River Books in Dundalk tomorrow night. Brilliant book. This is called Breakthrough. Tony Humphreys and Helen Ruddle. They'll be there from half past seven. Pop in and uh, say hello to them and they'll sign for you and uh, uh, give you a copy of the book as well if you'd care to purchase. Well worth getting, I promise you. Late lunch, LMFM Radio after two. We're joined by Donald Norton and I'll give you the first clue in the Halpenny Golf Giveaway competition. Competition time on late lunch to coincide with this week's Open Championship at the beautiful Royal Portrush Golf Club. I'm going up on Friday, can't wait. Halpenny Golf M1 Retail Park Drogheda have given us some fantastic prizes to give away each day on late lunch. And remember, call in, ask for Bobby or David and they look after you if you're looking for clubs, bags, trolleys, shoes, GPS clothing and any golf accessory you could think of. They have it all there at Halpenny Golf on the M1 Retail Park just on the outskirts of the north side of Drogheda. Here's the prize today. It's a Callaway Golf Hold-All. It's beautiful. It'll hold a golfer's gear, anything he wants to bring along to the golf course in style. On Monday it was, who am I? Yesterday, where am I? Today is, what I am I? What am I in the context of golf? Here's your first clue. There are four of us each year, but I'm the one who never moves. There are four of us each year, but I'm the one that never moves golf think about golf competition clues clues two and three to come a little bit later on the show answers if you think you know it now 086-1800-658 by whatsapp or text my next guest has been an award-winning comedian and many many other things beside but he has lots of strings as well yes he has he worked in radio back in the days of the pirates He's with me today. He's in the hot seat. He's the cans on. The microphone goes up and I'll say hello to Donald Norton. Donald, you're welcome to the show. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. But Not at all. You're before very we welcome. start, before we start, okay, okay. before we start, I, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm here in false pretenses. And it's all down to the sign that's at your gate, which says, well, I know it used to say the voice of the North East, but now it says the voice of the North East. And I want to apologise to your receptionist. I'm really sorry. <laughs> It was embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, you're welcome and you're still as sharp as the button watching out for everything even on your way in here. Tell me about this. You began in this game at what age? 15? I was 15. When I, I was when I was 15, I was doing six shows a week every night on radio. Uh, later on in my career, I decided, well, listen, I'd actually like to study this as a career and went off and did a degree in television radio production and it was only then that I tottered up the amount of hours that I did. Again, I was 21. I'd done 3,200 hours live in air. And they were going, so what do you want us to train you to do? Maybe shut up. <laughs> never, never. The voice is everything. Radio Carousel, Boyneside Radio, which was first? Carousel. Carousel. In that was in Navin. That was the greatest. Uh, now, listen, no offence, because I know I'm in the land of Boyneside Radio. Radio Carousel was the best radio station. Well, actually, it was the most unbelievable radio station in the world because A, it was a pirate, it was illegal. And B, talk about hiding in plain sight. This was, this was the Kaiser Solsek of radio studios. Because where are we going to put it? We're going to put it straight in the middle of the shopping centre. Right, will we hide it away? No, we won't. We put it in the centre of the shopping centre in a hexagonal glass box so nobody can actually 
like get away from it. It was like doing a radio show in a goldfish bowl. It was brilliant. And the way people got attention, there's no such thing as texts or what apps. There was 10p coins banging off the window the minute you put your mic up. <laughs> what the difference to today. But look, you were, you as you said, illegal. Sure, they could walk down and exactly. close I mean, you that, down in a moment. That's it. And, and one of our outside broadcasts was from the Trim Post Office. <laughs> I swear to God, me and a man called Hugh Hardy, who owned the, the show, or owned the station, yes. I had to do the warm-up act, and then it was the Hugh show, and live from the post office <laughs> in Trim. <laughs> and it was the Department of B&T who came to close you down, wasn't it? Yeah, they it was were the, the people. They were the people who were meant to regulate it. They were delivering mail for us. Could only <laughs> happen in Ireland, couldn't it? <laughs> I remember one time, I, I was telling you that it was this, it, it was this big hexagonal glass um, 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 box uh, in the middle of the shopping centre. I got fired a couple of times for some mishaps. And, and sometimes I didn't get fired for what I thought were mishaps. And they weren't the greatest one that I, I remember, because I was only telling the story the other night, was, you remember Frankie Goes to Hollywood? Yeah. yeah. Relax. Relax, exactly. You're not now. At the, if you should see him on the side of this chair at the minute. I've never seen somebody with their finger on the mute button so quickly. This is, this is the best video game I've ever played on the radio. Let's see. Let's see. Can we f- completely freak him out here? Right. I want you to picture this. Relax had been banned all over the world, okay? Um, but it was still a huge hit. And we were playing it on the radio. But they came up with their follow-up, which was Two Tribes, okay? I made my way to... My show was on, I think it was at 7 o'clock in the evening. And this was the Friday show. And I made it my business to get the very first copy of Two Tribes Go to War. I had the first copy. It was on a 12-inch. I hadn't even heard it. I went to Abbey Discs in Dublin to collect it. Got the bus back straight off the bus into the studio, waited for the sports to be finished, got this piece of 12-inch, put it on, on, it it was records back then. I didn't have time to cue it. I introduced the show because I was excited about this. I told everybody, I told you last night I was going to get this. I have it. This is going to be the very first play in the history of Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Two Tribes. I'm just literally putting the needle on the record now. We're all going to hear this at the same time. And that's exactly what we did. Now, there was a speaker over the roof of the uh, studio in the shopping centre. So people could actually hear the station and they could hear what was going on. The start of the 12-inch record started off with the siren, the air raid siren. Nothing else, just the air raid siren and this voice that went, this is the last voice you will ever hear. If your grandmother or any member of the family should die of contamination, put them outside the shelter and tag them first for identification purposes. That's how it started. And it kept going like that for about five minutes. I had my head buried in the desk with me headphones on, pressing the headphones into my ears, listening to this going, oh my God, I've never heard anything like this before in my life. And I looked up and the shopping centre was clearing. (laughs) 
Friday, five past seven, there was women picking up children, putting them into shopping trolleys, dragging the ones behind them, fleeing for their lives. But I'm like going, oh my Jesus, what have I just done? That is the end of any radio career I'm ever going to... I literally, you, you can't believe. It was, it was like, it really was like in Chernobyl. Who pressed that red button? It might have been me. And I'm like, oh, OK, I'll turn off the speaker and it should be OK. And I'm like, what am I going to say? What I'm going to, I'll just let it play anyway. And at this stage, you could look out into the car park. There were guards were at the door. There was people trying to look in towards the window to see, could they get, like, people out there? But what had happened, and this was, like, the times that we lived in back then, and I guarantee there was never anybody so happy to hear there was actually a bomb scare in the shopping centre. <laughs> that very same time I played... If you were playing that record. Yep. In pennies. So there was no relax. You could have gone back to Frankie. <laughs> well, I did the whole show. I, I did the whole show then. I kept doing the show. You didn't Underneath abandon. the desk. Yeah, I stayed there. Stay I was there. covered in, in glass. Like a captain staying with his ship. Well, Illegally he might have been, but he stayed at the helm. What a story that is. Boneside you came to. Did you work in Donahue's Mill? But Donahue's uh, burned to the ground, as you know, last year. And it wasn't year. me. You can't. No, well, I know. didn't expect it would be you. Yeah, I, you I, there. I, I did that for a couple of weeks filling in. You didn't know that Boneside had a satellite in Kells. Uh, yeah, there was a guy who used to work in Carousel who was sort of their anchor. It was a guy called Kieran Murray. And myself and Kieran jumped ship and went to Kells. Um, the, I'd forgotten all about this until I found some old tapes, and that's how so many memories came back. And, um, yeah, it was in Kells. And all I remember was from the place, it was at the back of a handball alley. But you had to go through this corridor that was surrounded with guard dogs. And they weren't the friendly sort. I never forget sort of running in and out of those uh, out But of those you wouldn't studios. have been raided there. No, because of the guard because dogs. Because you were safe. Were you ever the subject of a raid? No. Never. 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 Isn't that interesting? Yeah, well, considering what we've done. Another time, actually, i tell you another another crazy one, which um, I'd love somebody actually to verify um, whatever happened to this, right? Because we were doing another outside broadcast uh, in Kells, in a supermarket in Kells. And as usual, I'd do the opening show and then Hugh would come on and he'd do his show. Uh, it was uh, it was a supermarket up beside where O'Shocknessy's used to be, that street, OK? And um, afterwards I said, listen, uh, where's your lose? And they went, OK, listen, I-, I could show you, but we're so busy. Go right down to the bottom of the shop, go up the stairs, go, s- now it's dark, so just make your way up through the store. That's just the storerooms. Go all the way up to the top and there's a little room up in, in, in the corner. And fair enough, it, it really was like Indiana Jones and made me way all the way down, all the way upstairs, all the way back across the, the through the store, up and into the little little, little uh, cubicle place and everything like that. And I was doing business and turned around and straight in the face was a full-size lion. You, you weren't expecting that one, were you? Now, a full-size stuffed lion. <laughs> Honest to God, Jungle King, nothing like this. The Lion King, nothing would, would, would prepare you for this. They're huge! Like, its back was the top of my head. And if you've ever seen There's Something About Mary where that accident happened, that nearly happened to me, courtesy of that lion. 
scared the you know what out of our Donald Norton. Jerry, it makes my day to hear you laughing. I love the show. How could you not laugh, Pauline, at the story this man told us a moment ago? And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Hey, listen, here's the thing about you. You have so many strings, as, as I said in the introduction to you, Bo, besides all your time on air with radio, etc. A comedian. You, you really did so well as a comedian. Yeah. There's an inquisition. I just heard the question mark at the end. Of, yeah, go on. The, the question mark has, like, you won awards. You were making your way in this world. You were funny. We heard you even telling that story. You're a naturally funny person. But you drew a line in the sand then. Why? Because I did it all. I, I got as far as I did. See, the, the difference with me, you see, I used to bring a piano around with me. So for other comedians, they just walk up with their hands in their pocket going, here's all the gags that I've written and I'm going to do... I used to do just... I used to make it up as I went along um, and had the piano with me. So every night was a different show. In fact, in 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 Edinburgh for the uh, me last time was... Um, I did the, the Fringe Festival and uh, I did a... What was it? An hour show, a new show every night. No material... And I spent the whole month sleeping in a hearse, in the back of a hearse. You know, like as everybody else. You're dead right. We, we all, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. Do you think I, just, I have a chance? Do you think I have a chance? Don't come on, Donald. How I? I'm just trying to aim at you with this custard pie. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Channel Four. You won. So you think you're funny? That big competition that they had. You know, Podge and Rodge you were on, and I, it's like, I mean, those boys are tough boys to deal with. They don't take any prisoners at all. You, the Fringe, Edinburgh, you know, you, you went everywhere with this. And yet, is that how you actually felt? Yeah, I've done that. Let's move on to something else. Is that you? Yeah, that is me. <laughs> I've done it so many times. I'm like, okay, that's as far as going. Line there. That's it. Over. Um, the Fringe. Do you know there's a fella called Norton making it big in England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you a story about him. I'll tell you a story about... Yeah. You know, he, he look at him. Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 I'm not one to name drop, but I've, I've met loads of names and things like that. But uh, when, I, when I won the So You Think You're Funny um, thing for Channel 4, right, I, I, I did that in duress. Because basically all the agents, I'd been doing comedy for two years and at that stage I'd, I'd headlined even Andrews Lane with my solo show for four nights in a row, in four Friday nights in a row and stuff like that. I'd done telly stuff and everything. And they were still not, they weren't letting me into the Kilkenny Cats Laugh basically because, oh no, you've, you've not done any competitions. And I'm like, oh no, I, well, why should I do competitions? Like, yeah, my point was always that, look, comedy is subjective. How can you turn a subjective into competition? Because what's funny for one person is not funny mm. for the next person, mm. particularly if it's the person they're all laughing at. Um, so I, I sort of, I, at the very end, I went, look, I'll do a competition, right? Just to prove you. And that was the Channel 4, So You Think You're Funny. And the way that worked it was crazy. It was brilliant. What they did was they ran seven nights in a row in the Comedy Cellar in Dublin. And they had every comedian on every night you know so they had like in one night they could have 12 people on so they didn't announce on the night who won because it was all all the way through and um, 
what was what would happen then was in London they would do the exact same where they would run so many nights pick the best one same in Wales same in Scotland and outer outer UK and then they would pick the best the whole lot of them and send us over to Scotland on, uh, for the Fringe Festival but so there'd like to be five or six of us on the night but um, they didn't tell you until the last minute and um so that you didn't have your moment of glory going, yeah, I won. All right, give me me lovely girls, sash or whatever. That didn't happen. And um, the way you found out was when your mates were telling, going, well, I heard I'm not. I didn't win. You went, okay, I heard nothing. And then they were looking at you going, oh, yeah, you jammy. <laughs> no, I just didn't hear anything. I generally, yeah, because that's because you won it. I did, I did. And oh, by the way, uh, phone call. Yeah, you did win it. You need, you need to be in the fringe uh, next Tuesday. And you're like, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to organise accommodation over there. It's ridiculous. And that's another story about how I ended up sleeping in a In the house as well. But anyway, I said, right, I, I couldn't, I rang everywhere. There was no accommodation anywhere. So I went, okay, look, I've got the name Norton here. Some people might have heard of another Norton. I'm going to have to tell some porky pies here. So I rang uh, at this place and I was, yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm Graham Norton's brother here and I'm coming over to do a show in the Fringe um, just for one night, but um, I can't get accommodation and I've tried everywhere. and I, I don't like using the name, but yeah, this is... And the man went, oh, look, I'm really sorry about this, but um, there's an old couple down the road. They have a and b that they only hire out to friends and family that they know and what have you. Um, but I'll go down the road and ask them personally, would they? And fair enough, they went, yes. And I was going, ah, great, lovely. So he gave me their number and I rang them. They were lovely. They were gorgeous. And when I came to the airport, I got a phone call to say they were outside waiting for me. They were going to give me a lift. And I'm like going, oh, God, um, I'm going to have to be really careful about this. So I went. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Back and they were so excited. Oh, we have Graham Norton's brother staying with us. This is fantastic. We'll have to give you a lift. To the, like, they were 90 years old and I'm like, feel, oh God, I feel like, oh, this is bad. So I was... So I'll be up in the room and I'll just come down when I'm finished, okay? All I was doing in the room was cringing, going, oh, God, what have we just done here? So 
they then said, look, we'll bring you to the gig. And I was going, oh, no, no, I'll be fine. I'll get the bus. No, no, we'll bring you. They brought me to the gig. They collected me. They brought me home. And I go, and we've got a surprise for you in the morning. I could hear in the next morning, there was all this rustling around the place. They were, Don't, yeah, we, we brought all our nephews and nieces and everyone down so they could meet Graham Norton's brother. And I'm like going, oh, dear God. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm, if, I can't at this stage sort of go, I'm not Graham Norton's brother. So I'm, I'm cringing through the whole thing and going, oh, yeah. And I came up with this story and it's semi-true because Graham Norton's real name isn't Norton. It's actually Walker. And I think it was his grandmother or someone who was Norton. So I was sort of, well, I'm legitimately here, Norton. So he's the one who's changed his name and is making the whole thing up. So then, so after I met everybody and did my best, oh God, yeah, no, but I like girls, um, sort of bit, um, they went, listen, before we bring you back to the airport, yeah, we want you to meet one of our dearest and oldest friends and he's going to be so thrilled to meet you. I'm going, well, if there's only the one, that'll be great. So this, he only lives around the corner. So, OK, sure, look, we'll do it. Hell with it anyway. So they brought me around the corner and said, we want to introduce you to Sean Connery's brother, Tom Connery. And I'm like, oh, oh the love of God. What, what, what does he do? He's a plasterer in Edinburgh. 006. Yeah, he's a plasterer in Edinburgh. So we've known him all our lives, you know. Um, and they were telling me stories about him that as Sean got more famous, your man Tom... <laughs> actually started to develop a lisp the same lisp and he would do voiceovers for him and everything and eventually he did a film in Italy where he was playing a Sean Connery sort of budget Sean Connery but apparently he was a terrible actor so it didn't go anywhere so he's a plasterer and I get to the house and there's an old bothered 1977 Merck White with a stepladder strapped to the roof and this was uh, Sean Connery's brother and he comes down they're going beep 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 and he's coming down going oh Tom 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 look the man he's here he's here beside us he's going, and he's coming down you could see and he looked the spit of, of Sean only much younger and much better pre- preserved even though he was older so he's coming down and they're going oh Tom we want to introduce you to a friend of ours this is Graham Norton's brother this is Tom Con- uh, this is Tom Connery and he said the best thing I could ever hear, ever. As he turned to me and looked at me and went, Who? <laughs> you were saved by the bell. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Blame you, imposter. Listen, you need to get going on this comedy circuit again. Will you stay another couple of minutes? He is going to stay with us. He's such a joy to have with us on Late Lunch today. He's back on radio on LMFM's Late Lunch. Donald Norton in the house. Stay with us. For your entertainment, Mr. Donald Norton is on late lunch this afternoon. Now, here's verification. Bona fides. You know what I mean? Just come in to Breach at reception. Let me read this for you. You'll love this. John Rogers has been on to us, Donald, from Kells to say, Yes, Jerry, the big line was stored in the back store in Carroll's supermarket in Kells. Every year they would put it upstairs <laughs> for a time. And of course, they, he says they had displays uh, displays of toys downstairs and in the windows. Uh, at that time, I think it was called Connolly Brothers. That's back in the 60s, he's saying there. And that's John from Kells bringing back great memories. Well, so there you are. I can give more history on that, you see. I, I did me research because I was going to take that lion out somewhere or other. I didn't care. I, I had a vendetta uh, with the lion. What happened to that lion was that a hundred years ago, it's probably more now, there was a, a circus in Kells. That says a lot. I should just leave that story just there. No, there was a circus in Kells and the lion escaped. And they had to go hunt the lion. 
with Hurleys or whatever they went after them with. And they actually shot the lion. They brought it back. This was a house back then. They brought it upstairs and the local taxidermist, because he, obviously he's the man to do it, he stuffed the lion. When the lion was done, they then realised that it was so big they couldn't get it out of the building. It was stuck there. That's what happened. <laughs> and that's why it was there. That's why it was there. It was huge. <laughs> Bullet head, a ball right in the head. Look at your CV. You know when I when I peruse it. You know piano. You mentioned the piano with the comedy, and you worked with Linda Martin. You worked as manager of the Music Maker Store in Dublin. That's still there, isn't it? It music is. Yeah, Maker. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, still yeah, there yeah. at this stage. Um, meeting people in your time, like you know the great Paul Brady, you two, Joe Elliott. Tell us that wee story about Tom Cruise. All right, okay, yeah, yeah. Come on, well, tell us I, well, that Well, actually, I, I ended up playing with a lot of big bands in the world as yeah. well. I used to tour as a musician. I played with Diana Ross and David Hasselhoff and all these sort of people as well. Yeah, I've done all of that. Would yeah. you ever get on to Baywatch, no? Could have been, could have been. That was the crazy... I actually got fired. I can see you, Donald. Yeah, I can yeah. see you and Pamela Anderson. You on see her in the red swimsuit running for- down the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I can see you as well. <laughs> And I, I can see your red shorts just coming over your trousers, and that's enough for Stop. me. Yeah, um, but actually, I got fired from the David Hassan. <laughs> I'm serious. Come back to Cruise. Come on, this Cruise story. The Hasselhoff story is funnier. Oh, go I, on. Oh, actually, if you want, take, yeah, take yeah, a bit. Go on, Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah, follow me with this one. All right, we, go we'll on, all go down the road go again. On. Right. With, with the Hasselhoff thing, right? Um, Hasselhoff, the reason why he became huge, because um, it, it, it was, it was an enigma. Nobody knew how, how he became so big around the world, or around Europe. And that was because he... The night the wall came down between East and West Germany, Hasselhoff spotted this, and he had a song that was in the charts at the time called I've been looking for some freedom and that's exactly the way you'd sing it if you are going to do it and that was his big hit so he decided he'd make his way up onto the wall and sing the song and sure enough that's what he did and I don't know whether it was the East or the West loved them more but they were throwing bricks at him and everything. He was oblivious to it. He loved it. And they loved him. And I, I, I think that it's just proof that the Germans have a great sense of humour. They just don't let it on. They were, oh, he's great. Yeah, clap, clap. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were doing these gigs um, all over all over Europe. And like the, There could be like 100,000 people at the bloody gigs. And um, I remember the first gig I did with them was in a, in, in, uh, on an ice rink in Switzerland in the middle of the summer. Um, oh, I can't even remember the name but the next gig was in Frankfurt right and it was called Oh Happy Day that was the name of the festival and it was a great song of that name as well isn't yeah, it yeah I don't know but it was the most bizarre thing right it was for all these kids right but the opening band was Steel Eye Span if you remember famous those. yeah well famous for one song yeah, I think yeah. yeah but like it's a it's a, an old sort of folky trad mm. band and then Hasselhoff on singing I've been looking for some freedom and um, so uh, but what was most bizarre was um, the people from Baywatch at that stage Hasselhoff owned Baywatch he wasn't in Baywatch he actually owned the show and the show was the biggest show around the world so he, he, he was making his money. He didn't care. Everybody could have the laugh. He was having the laugh himself, but he wasn't really letting it, letting it on at the time. Uh, it, was a, it was a musical holiday for him. So uh, the crack was, um, you, you had all these people on. Uh, but you'd, you'd have like the likes of Pamela Anderson and all this. They would drop in. They, they would drop in, just go, Oh, hi, David. We, we just happened to be in the area and we dropped in. Look, there's a map. That's Los Angeles. There's 
Frankfurt. Like, you don't casually go to Frankfurt unless you have business there. And that's exactly what they were there. They were licking arse. Basically, that's the only way you do it. Brown knows. And what, what was matter was, right, if you're hanging around those circles, right, it's not the stars and it's not the sort of co-stars. It's the people who hang, hang around with them. They are the craziest of the whole lot because they want to get attention. They've got the elbows out. They're knocking everybody out of the way. It's me, 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 me. Let's talk about my movie that I haven't made yet. Um, but I, I remember actually... Um, how we uh, sacked. Oh, that's what I'm coming to. But um, just to show you how, how crazy it was, right? Um, I remember Hasselhoff's manager was, was his father, Joe. And um, there was one of these hangers on, right? And she was wearing basically, she's a gorgeous looking girl, suntanned the whole lot. But basically what it was, was like a gold lame swimsuit, right? And the dress was like strings of gold pearls, okay? And they were going down like a, a line and a gap uh, of about three inches, another line gap. And then it was like squares like that. And I'm looking at that going, look, I'm from Navin. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Joe, you've obviously lived and, and, and breathed Los Angeles and, and Hollywood. Joe, can you tell me, now I'm about to go on stage and I'm going to be wondering about this. I want to know, can you put a name on what your woman is wearing there? Because I haven't a clue. And he's going, oh yeah, man, that's a, that's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I was four songs in, I was looking over the side of the stage, he was still scratching his head. Now, the the thing with, with Hasselhoff when we were playing, right, uh, there was a couple of little golden rules that I never knew of, right? If David Hasselhoff uh, does something crazy, which he will do, uh, the thing is, you shouldn't break your arse laughing on the stage at David Hasselhoff. Second thing is you shouldn't let David Hasselhoff catch you breaking your arse laughing at Mr. David Hasselhoff. And the third thing is don't let his father catch you. And like, I'm stuck behind a keyboard. Like there's a stream of yellow liquid running down the stage for my standing. And that's the giveaway. Like, And um, I made this video because I copped what the other boys were doing. See, the other boys, the guitars, they're fine. The saxophone players, they can move around the place and if they're going to explode, they can turn around away. And I spotted there was a place where they all went. So for one of his entire shows, I put a camera there and I've got an hour and a half of a Hasselhoff gig where the guitar player, the bass player, the saxophone player and any other random dancer or singer would walk over and just turn to the camera, not knowing it's there, and just explode in laughter. And you could see him walking by like in his one-piece leather suit singing about I've been looking for some as freedom and um, yeah I, I got fired they didn't actually fire me they didn't tell me where the next gig was <laughs> well, that's, that's the truth <laughs> I got as far as Frankfurt and the, I met them up a couple of years later and they were like going oh yes and then we went to this place and then we went I was going no 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 the tour ended you in see, Frankfurt you see you predated this phenomenon today where somebody puts their phone on somebody and takes that image or picture which you can't do now without permission you know were you surprised you got your walking papers yeah, no, 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 no. Well, I didn't know I got me walking papers. <laughs> you that do now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're after telling us why. Anyway, we want to finish out. You have to come back. And guess what we found? Do I need to relax? You do need to relax. And you can relax now. Listen, it's been great. Sure, I barely touched the surface here with no, you. No, you didn't. You'll come back again, Mr. Norton, will you? Half-brother to Graham. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just make sure the voice is spelled rightly this time. Introduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, for those who are being tagged. This is Relax.
Yeah, it's Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Relax on Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Trim Gardie have been on to us to say uh, that there's been an accident on the road from Clannard to Trim and the road is now closed. So please avoid the area for the time being. We'll keep you posted on that one. Second clue in the Halpenny Golf Competition. It's Callaway Hold All is the prize today. Here it is. There's no trophy when you win me what am I there's no trophy when you win me if you think you know the answer 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text heading to our next break on the show and afterwards we'll be joined by Sarah Kelly Reminding you about the Bailiborough Midsummer Festival. It's happening this Friday, the 19th through to Sunday, the 21st. Big festival on in Bailiborough and there's going to be a lot going on there. Music, teddy bears, picnic, market stalls, treasure hunt, 5k run and a brilliant production of John B. Keane's The Year of the Hiker in the Bailey Hotel this Friday night. Declan Nerney's perform- performing on Sunday afternoon along with John McNichol. Five euro entry for adults and children. Uh, children are free actually. Five for the adults and that's the Bailiborough Midsummer Festival Friday to Sunday this coming weekend well worth checking out now put yourself in the shoes of my next guest you believe you have a chest infection have an appointment with your GP and emerge from the consultation with a diagnosis of something entirely different yes that's Sarah Kelly's story and she's on the line with me hello Sarah hello how are you I'm good thank you for taking my call you were only what age when this happened uh, I was 11 years of age, yeah. Oh, God. Do you, do, do you remember it? Do you remember it clearly that time you went to the GP? Oh, yeah, I remember it, like, very clearly. I went in with, like, a cough, and I thought it was a chest infection. And when I went into the doctor's, she told me to stand up straight. And I said, I am standing up straight. And she examined me, and then she she kind of coughed that my posture wasn't great and, like, led to believe that it was scoliosis. So she wrote it down on a piece of paper because obviously me and my mum hadn't a clue what scoliosis was at the time. Excuse me. So uh, she sent us to Temple Street Hospital for an x-ray that evening. And? So I got my x-ray and then within a few weeks 
um, I got word back that I was diagnosed with scoliosis and then from Temple Street I was transferred to uh, Crumlin Hospital where I was for the next four or five years. My, and in and out uh, on at different times over that period of time. You, you, you said, when she said to you, straighten yourself up there, <laughs> you or nobody else ever noticed this before? Uh, well, actually, my dad had said it after the doctor had caught this. My dad was actually saying, I noticed that there was a slight shift in your in your back when I was just obviously standing there just walking around in the kitchen. He said he had noticed something but didn't think out of it. Maybe it was just the way I was standing at the time. Mm. But um, at that time, it was very slight. So, like, fair play to her for copping it because it was really slight. It was just she got me at a perfect time because at that stage, I was getting older and I was hitting that stage of my life. So I was getting taller and bigger. Mm. So it was getting worse and worse as I grew. Mm. So um, she just really copped it at a good time, mm. especially with waiting lists and all. I got it on it. Uh, so as soon as I was transferred to Crumlin... Uh, there's two options. I could either get a brace or I could get surgery. Um, but at that stage, it was too early in my life to do either of those things. So I kind of had to wait until I grew up a bit more. And then I was on the waiting list for surgery for three or four years. Um, I decided not to go with the brace option because I'd have to wear it for, I have to wear it like 16 hours a day, every day. Mm. So um, it just wasn't practical and I was like a really sporty girl at the time. I was playing kabogi and everything. So I just didn't want to do that and plus the like uncomfortableness of it all. You could imagine having to live yeah. with that every hour of the day and how restricting that would be. So I fair dues to the GP. She picked it up. You have a diagnosis. You wait till you're 14 and then you have this procedure. Yeah, so I was on the waiting list of Kappa for three, four years, but I wasn't getting anywhere. Every time I went up, there's no, like, no offence to them, but it was just the waiting list at the time was absolutely ridiculous. So every year to six months, they'd be like, oh, you've looked after in a year to six months. But they were saying that every time. So I was luckily one of the five patients from Crumlin Hospital that was transferred to Kappa Hospital. So I was transferred then, so I was officially a patient of theirs. And within six months, I was operated on by a surgeon called Noel Cassidy. Um, and what did that surgery entail? A lot of metal, I'd say. Yeah, so basically there is, let me get this right, 14 screws and two rods in my back. So it's basically like a scaffolding nearly. They put the screws into my spine and then they use the rods to like, straighten me up yeah. if that makes sense yeah no I know I know what you're talking about exactly yeah, because so I, I met a young lady from Drogheda uh, a few years ago and on the show and as she explained to me as well so you've oh. gone through a similar thing do you still yeah. have those screws and rods in place yeah they'll be in my spine now permanently for the rest of my life <laughs> hey Sarah what are you going to do when you go to the airport uh, I actually worked in the airport <laughs> uh, <laughs> prior to this um to be honest, sometimes it beeped and sometimes it didn't, but they just knew me at that stage. They were just like, oh, there's the girl again with the back. So they had to pat me down and that was it. But, um, yeah, so it's a it small just, price to pay, isn't it, for know, it being straightened up? Mm. I ended up working in the duty free area. <laughs> She's bleeping every time she goes by the machines. Yeah. Whenever I come, the manager's just like, oh, not you again. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, you can't be in there laugh about something, can you? I know, I know. Anyway, you are much straighter now. Has it restricted you in any way, having um, this? Well, to be honest, I never went back playing sport. 
Um, the likes of swimming and sport, like non-contact sport, is good for the likes of building your muscles because obviously they had to like cut through the muscles and all to get through to my spine. So I never went back purely just because I know another girl who did go back and one of the rods uh, snapped. So then she had to go through the whole procedure again of having to take out the rods and then mm. put in new ones. And I just don't want to risk it being snapped. So I still do like my swimming and stuff to keep me healthy and yeah. exercise. But other than that, um, not really, to be honest, because of the rods on my back, there is like a slight restrictment in movement, but it's not like... It's not the end all. Yes, honest. of course, of course. Me. It's just kind of life now at this stage. No, do you know the way you're? What you're eighteen now, yeah? Yeah, I'm eighteen. Now. Yeah, so you, you know you're still developing as such. You, yeah. Will what they've put in? I'm just thinking of the rods in particular. You know, as you, you still continue to grow, will they ever have to be adjusted or changed? Or? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. To be honest, uh, fingers crossed. Not. I don't want to go through that again. I know. I know. But, um, no, I think it's okay. I actually like grew. I think it was like three or four inches on the operation table when they straightened me up. I right. Was, I was like instantly taller. You gave a jump. Yeah, I gave a big jump. There you go. So um, Yeah, so it's amazing the way it works. Mm. But, um, and no pain or no discomfort at all with this? Uh, no, not anymore, to be honest. Well, obviously, like, if you're not in a comfortable position, just like anyone else, I won't be like, a bit of discomfort. But otherwise than that, like, it's just, life is normal now for me to be honest and mm. um, before that it was very bad uh, I'd like in school and stuff I'd be very like uncomfortable I'd be like constantly going in the, the toilet but I'd actually be just going for a walk to stretch my back and then I ended up having to get a laptop for school and everything because of it but yeah, besides yeah. all is good have to leave it there for the day it's lovely to talk to you thank you for taking thank our call you. and I wish you well Thank you, you too. Thanks a million, Sarah. Take care of yourself. Sarah Kelly there telling us about her diagnosis of scoliosis and how she's all the better for that fusion procedure in her back. Late Lunch LMFM Radio News and uh, Sport next and afterwards we're heading to Riga to catch up with Dundalk fans ahead of this evening's Champions League qualifier. Late Lunch LMFM Radio this midweek Wednesday afternoon. Your final clue in the Halpenny Golf Competition. The prize today, a Callaway Golf Hold All. It's beautiful. I promise you, you'd love to win it if you're a golfer of someone in your life is a golfer. Third clue in what am I? What am I looking for here? Tigers won me for the fifth time this April. Tigers won me for the fifth time this April. If you haven't got it by now, I'm sure you have it. Quick, get your answers in to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text with your name and details and we let you know who's won that prize today from Halpenny Golf. Give them a shout. M1 Retail Park, Drogheda. Bobby and Dave will look after you, I promise. Now, the bar dance at Kilmoon. The clip we played was from Mr. Garth Brooks. The song name, when If Tomorrow Never Comes, is the name of the song and the winner of a pair of tickets each the winners are Dave the Truck I think he's in Betty's town is he or around the Meath area anyway well done to Dave the Truck we have your number by WhatsApp he got it right and Nula Talent Clarehead, Head pair of tickets for you to the big dance in Kilmoon this coming weekend and thanks to everybody who entered that competition now as you know you heard Michael there yes we have live coverage of Dundalk's Champions League qualifier in Latvia this evening they're in Riga the game is live from 5.25 here on LMFM Radio with Adrian Taff and commentary and we'll be talking to Adrian in a few moments time but before all that Adrian was out and about on the streets of Riga bumping into Dundalk fans here there and everywhere 
At first stop, he met a man who's been supporting the Lily Whites for years. His name is Sam Hanks, and Adrian began by asking him, what about the nil-nil last week at Oriel Park? The Riga team came for the result and got the result. The nil-nil, or a draw they were looking for, obviously. So they may come out tomorrow night and be going for a goal, which we will be looking for, an away goal, which would be great if we scored a goal. They have to get two to beat us. So here's hoping. Yeah, one name on everyone's lips, uh, Michael Duffy at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, Michael uh, had to leave the party yesterday for something, a special party of his own at yeah. home. And uh, we're hoping that he gets back in time for the match. Yeah, I'm sure as a, a Dundalk supporter of 60 years vintage, as you say, you've seen plenty of teams, and some better than others, but some you'll have maybe more of an affinity for, and some that you loved more than others, even if they may not have been more successful. Do you have one that you'd pick out in the past? Oh, or is this the one? No, this, this one is, is a good team. But the, the team in 1967 was Alan Fox's team. An excellent team from 1 to 11 and one sub, you know, <laughs> in those days, uh, the most the, the, they were they were class side. Like when you when you when you think about that, the directors sat down and brought in the players, and when they had all the players in, they went and got a manager. That doesn't happen nowadays. <laughs> but, you know, you you be slacking directors and saying this, that, and the other about them, but they were something else in those days. You know, they were nearly headed their time in a way because cl- some clubs have sporting directors that that's supply the players for them. That's team. very true because the dog had two of them at that time. Paddy McCourt was one of them. He used to scour the country looking for players. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, oh, they were, they were an excellent side, excellent side. It's just unfortunately we've bad news this week as well with Jimmy Dandy dying. You know, uh, or simply his word to him and his family um, he was another good player a young lad coming over from Birmingham you know that time but um, no I, I do think the Foxes team was the best team of all well listen Sam lovely to meet you and uh, enjoy the game let's hope uh, we get the result that everybody well everybody on this tour wants certainly apart from the tour guide here's hoping uh, we're still on this walking tour of Riga here this morning and um, well this afternoon as it is now and I've met another Dundalk supporter here who's uh, wandering along uh, your name please Limo Hanrahan Liam O'Hanrahan. And where are you from, Liam? Dundalk. Dundalk where about? More, more specific. Barrack Street. Barrack Street. All right. Is this your first time away with Dundalk? Have you been out on other trips? 2002 with Colin Corrigan. <laughs> and you survived. <laughs> and, I, and he survived. <laughs> more to the point. More to the point. How are you finding Riga? And uh, you've had a nice little, it's a gentle enough walking trip and plenty of stops yeah, for people. Yeah, and yeah it, it's just it's just unbelievable. The buildings is fascinating. Yeah. It's on the history that's gone in and it all. It's brilliant, brilliant. What other trips have you been on? Just, just the one to Croatia, that's all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like Dundalk really does offer Dundalk supporters the opportunity to go and see places when they're in Europe like this. Oh, it's a great oh, opportunity. Oh, definitely. The last time when I was in Croatia, we went to a couple of vineyards and different things like that. It was great. Great experience. So last night, what, what did that involve? Oh, you're looking at me like a man who doesn't want to tell me. Quite an island. Oh, right, quite an island in a pub. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, it's okay, fair enough. Talk, talk to me about the football a little bit. What are you expecting? Oh, the win, definitely, definitely. I'm very impressed. If if uh, Riga played the way they played in Dundalk, I don't see any worry. If we have the right men on the right team, if the right team's picked, I think we'll do it. You, uh, you you see signs of weakness there on that Riga side last week. You were at the game. Oh yeah, yeah. The only one that impressed me was the Frenchman. The Pessu was it? The winner? Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. He was the only one that impressed me after the team. Yeah. You know. What about Dundalk's form this season? How have you? What have you thought of that? 
I know the top of the league and all that. It's hard to criticise. But uh, what have you thought and what did you think of them last week against Riga? I thought they were good, but uh, it wouldn't have been my choice of a starting eleven. But sure, he's the manager. He's at it an awful lot longer than I am. I only support him. He knows the ins and outs of all his players. So he picked the team that he thought was right. But all performance... The week before that in Derry, I was at that game. Andy Boyle played the whole game, and my God, he is an impressive player. I think we'll do it. You're fairly confident yeah, you'll be coming yeah. back, and you'll be heading in the next round out to wherever, whatever far-flung destination it takes you. I probably will. <laughs> Dundalk Football Club, of course, has a big tradition of following from RD, and I've bumped into three people that I know myself from around RD: John Joe Conlon, Kira Carberry, who was my neighbour as I grew up, and Mark Conlon as well, who runs Endemol Hamel. Dunes as it was. Hamels, sorry, Hamels, sorry, Hamels pub. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you, when did you you all come out today? Yesterday, yeah, yesterday evening. Yeah, we come in. Uh, we flew out at 6 o'clock from Dublin to Paris and then from Paris on to here so got here yesterday evening about 5 o'clock so lovely so far now that's Mark Conlon talking there uh, did you get to stop in Paris at all or get it, get into the city or was uh, it just we, a quick stop just a quick stop we were about an hour between flights so we were under a bit of pressure to get onto the plane you know to get yeah. through security and that I know from other European trips that I've seen yourself and I've seen you too John Joan uh, many of them as well how many have you been on over the years? Oh. I don't know. Last count of all the ones I've been on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any any stick out in your mind is most memorable. Um, Almar, I suppose, has to be one. Has to be one that sticks in most of my memory. For yeah, that Kieran Kildoff. Kieran Kildoff's goal. Yeah, yeah. It was a great moment, wasn't great it, for Dundalk Sports? Uh, Kira Carber here in the middle of the two men as well. Kira, uh, how are you enjoying the trip? You've sort of been commandeered into the old <laughs> yes. supporting Dundalk thing, going out with Mark. Yes, yeah. This is my uh, third trip, I think, is it? And uh, yeah, loving it so far. Really nice, lovely city. and Enjoying the crack with all the fellow supporters. Yeah, I see you often in the main stand there in Oriel alongside Mark. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. How have you found sort of uh, getting into the culture of Dundalk and getting into the supporting of the site? Because you wouldn't have supported them as a young No, a young no, girl. I didn't know. It was only when I met Mark that I got kind of thrown into the deep end with Dundalk. But uh, I, I'd be into sport now and into soccer and that. So, oh, yeah, I enjoy the crack and great atmosphere in Oriel there every weekend. So... And what about uh, the match? How do you feel about it? Oh, hopefully now they'll do the job on it and we'll be on the road again for the next round. Yeah, I know from, uh, well, I know both Mark and John Joe from being out at RD Celtic. You know what good football is, <laughs> right? But, uh, <laughs> but not at the moment, I have to say. Yeah. But, uh, John Joe, you were at the game last week, presumably, as well. Yes, uh, what was your analysis of that Riga team uh, and the Dundalk chances? I think they were too defensive for Dundalk, but Dundalk didn't play well. The forward line, I think the final pass was the downfall. Yeah. Do you think that we'll see a very different game? Do you think Riga will come out and play a different game? Well, hopefully they will, and mm. it'll give us an opportunity to attack them better. Yeah. What about yourself, Mark? Uh, Chris Shields is fit to start now. I think we lost a lot of balance in midfield when he went off now, but if Bile can start, Benson can start, and Shields can start, I think we'll be all right. Like, you know, Benson looked the part when he came on in the second half, so I, I think uh, they'll have to come out with us a little bit, and that'll give us a good chance to counter attack. So I'll be confident. One goal gets us. Uh, you know, they, we get one, they have to score two. So I'll be confident enough going through. Dundalk fans in great fettle in Riga today. Halpenny Golf Competition. The clues, there are four of us each year, but I'm the one who never moves. Second clue, there's no trophy when you win me. And the third one, well, it's easy, isn't it? Tigers won me for the fifth time 
in April. The answer I was looking for is the Masters, one of the majors. Aideen McGahan, Dundalk, well done to you. You win the Callaway Golf Hold All this afternoon. And tomorrow we'll have a four ball for Neuromore Golf Club to give away. So don't miss that tomorrow. He's live on the line and less than two hours to go till Dundalk kick off against Riga in the Champions League qualifier. Nil nil at Oriel Park last week. Can the Lily Whites do it? Adrian Taff, afternoon. They can. It's the short answer. <laughs> you Will boy. Will they is the, is the next question. <laughs> hey, before you oh, get yeah. into will they, can they, won't they, I have a crow to pick yeah. with you. We were listening oh. to you with the Dundalk fans there just before the break. Uh, are you on something? Are these Celtic and good football? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it was a bit of an outlandish game, <laughs> certainly this season. Oh, well, <laughs> Sorry, RD Celtic, I'm just yeah, being, uh, yeah. just having a little mirth with Mr. Adrian Taff. Yeah. Anyway, Adrian, quick question. This is the big one, people. Michael Duffy, what's the story? I look at everybody. That's the, they're the two words that's on everybody's lips out here. Michael Duffy, Michael Duffy. And I've been asked by so many people. And it's still, they're keeping it very close to their chest, I have to say. I've seen some, I've seen a tweet online, uh, from a supporter who says that Duffy was on the flight over on, that he was on, uh, this morning. Um, now I've heard nothing official from the club, but I have heard that he won't play tonight. Now, whether that's he won't start mm. or, and he might be on the bench and come on, I, I just don't know. I don't have any more detail on it than that. You know, okay. everybody is uh, trying to find out that piece of information, but nobody's managed okay, to Okay, we still have no clarification. Yeah. Oh, you don't no, have team no. news just yet, two hours ahead. No. no. Nothing no, coming no, from no, the camp. No, okay. No, we'll get it in. All right, yeah, and, yeah. and we'll have that for you. What's the weather like there this evening? It's lovely. It's a lovely afternoon here now. It's um, it's a beautiful afternoon. It's what? It's twenty past five here now. Twenty five past five almost, and it's a lovely afternoon. Yesterday was absolutely torrential. The weather was last night was diabolical. Mm. To be honest with you, they um, certainly the weather gods made us feel right at home. It felt like an Irish summer. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, today now is a little bit more like well, I packed the shorts when I came out here, but they certainly were. Oh my god! I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a picture of that, and I'm starting to get worried. I'm looking at chickens' legs here in my mind's eye. <laughs> you need you need to get control of that imagination, Jerry. It's furtive, to, and that is for sure. What's the the stadium like that? they're playing in you've been there yeah it's a lovely stadium I have to say it belonged to Skonto Riga uh, who were uh, who went defunct uh, a number of years ago um, the Riga team that Dundalk are playing tonight are an amalgam of two other clubs who got together and they've taken over the use of the stadium and it's a nice stadium about between seven and eight and a half thousand I think seater mm. and um, it's a yeah look at it would be the envy of every, almost every League of Ireland club outside of I suppose oh, you know, well that goes Colbert. without saying doesn't it it really does yeah. what about the support for Dundalk plenty of uh, white shirts around yeah, a serious amount of uh, Dundalk supporters out here. I think uh, with with long trips to the likes of Azerbaijan, possibly, and Belarus in the offing in the next round, you know, depending on how things go, um, I think a lot of supporters saw this This as their opportunity. It's very accessible. You can get here directly with Ryanair, and um, and there's plenty of connecting flights as well to here too. So a lot of supporters took the opportunity to come out here and make this their season's jolly in Europe possibly do you know so um, yeah good crowd here I think we're expecting about 400 Dundalk supporters Um, Riga themselves their crowds are very small between three and four hundred I think is around their average on a match night um, so it's there's every possibility that the Dundalk supporters could outnumber the home supporters there you go now to the match itself last week it was a disappointing game overall like even for a neutral there were damn all chances in it uh, Riga played it tight they restricted Dundalk 
What about this evening? There seems to be quite an air of confidence that Dundalk are going to get more scope tonight and get at least one, maybe two away goals and win this tie. Well, Dundalk have a fantastic record away from home in Europe. They've scored in 10 of their last games away from home in Europe. And I suspect that if Dundalk can get a goal, it might be enough to get them through. Um, the side we saw last week, the Riga side, didn't look particularly like they are capable of getting a couple of goals. Dundalk were relatively comfortable, bar a couple of late opportunities and a couple of um, you know, sporadic efforts that they had. Um, Dundalk were largely in control of the game last week. How much of that is down to... Riga's approach last week, they were fairly negative and they decided to sit in and make things difficult for Dundalk. I don't think they're going to change tonight, to be honest with you, unless they lose a goal and they have to go and chase it. I think their approach will be the same. Mm. I think they probably suspect that Dundalk are a marginally better side and they'll be happy to make things difficult and wait for an opportunity. And that nearly worked for them last week. They did get a couple of half chances, you know, and Dundalk were restricted to... I don't think they... Uh, Riga goalkeeper made a save last week at all. Dundalk had some efforts over the crossbar, but um, they didn't force any saves from the goalkeeper. So they'll have been happy with it last week. So why would they change it this week? You know, mm. What's your prediction? What's your gut telling you? Adrian Half, put your hat on the hat stand now and don't sit on the fence. A scoreline. Uh, I'll go with um, one or two nil to Dundalk. I, it's just, I do suspect that Dundalk are the better side. Mm. And I do hope that they're a little bit more expansive tonight. I know I've just said I don't expect them to be very different, but you just hope that that you know what I mean. Even if they, even if the game plan isn't to be any different, that being at home might psychologically make them be a little bit more adventurous, and the dog can take advantage of it. Big question is if Michael Duffy isn't in the team, who is in the team? Because Michael Duffy is such an outlet for Dundalk and mm. one of the primary, you know, goal makers and goal getters. You know, yeah. So, so uh, that would be very space? interesting to see what he does. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this space because he's uh, taking the lemon and honey. He's uh, lubricating the vocal cords and he's ready to bring it to you in its entirety. Yes, Mr. Adrian Taff in from 5.25 the game live here on LMFM Radio good luck this evening Adrian and good luck to Dundalk as well and we'll be listening all the way and hopefully they can do it and make it through to the next round of the Champions League thank you so much for joining me thanks Jerry. Thank take you. care that's our man Adrian Taff in Riga this evening and that's our lot on late lunch for this Wednesday have a lovely evening yourselves come back join us tomorrow half one we're ready to do it all again on Thursday late lunch don't forget us we never forget you see you tomorrow the late lunch brought to you by Blackstone Motors setting the standards higher for award winning customer service you can trust visit your regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the northeast for exclusive offers with lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours dare to live cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code acast for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details